What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Onyx Report, Black Masculinist News for the day. Hope you guys are well. Trying to finish out the week. Wanted to hit you guys with a little something. What's up, Jarvis? Ryan? D-Rock? What's going on? Hope everybody's good. You know, y'all let me know um, how, how or if you want to do it. I'm, I'm really thinking about I'm, I definitely have to do something about uh, Ptolemy Gray, right? Um, Samuel Jackson's latest piece on Apple TV. There's a lot of nuggets in that we got to get to. But uh, y'all let me know if you want to do it on Patreon, you want to do it out here. Uh, most particularly to my members, holler at me. Send me your, uh, your thoughts. What's up, Jay Cleveland? What's going on, Donnie? What's up? You know, Mr. Martez, what's up? Hey, LaRue. Hope everybody's good. Um... Yeah. So we got to deal with a couple of pieces that ran across my desk today. And they both highlighted the vulnerability of black boys. And I think it's important that we maintain that connection in the space between the grown men and the boys. Because uh, at the end of the day, we're all we got, really. I mean, I hate to put it that way. There was another time where we had a different sensibility. But in terms of what I'm seeing now, and one of the funny things about it, too, is whenever I do videos on boys, the numbers for the videos drop dramatically, dramatically. You know what I mean? In terms of the views. But look, as much as I, as a content creator, I want people to see what I'm doing more than, you know, as much as anybody. At the end of the day, I can't just be ambulance chasing whatever's hot. We got to talk about some important stuff if I'm interested and seeing things change for black men and boys. And that's the only reason I'm here. You know what I'm saying? So I got to take a hit because we got to talk about something, you know, relevant. And I'm always trying to keep it relevant. I might, I don't mind mixing it into a little bit of pop culture, but sometimes this shit is ridiculous. So that's the hit I got to take. It's the hit I got to take. What's up, 92 Alpha? Um, You've been binge watching? All right. Much appreciation. With the family, wife and four sons. Wow, I'm honored. Taylor, what's going on? Salute. Same to you. (laughs) On the bat signal scene. (laughs) That's what's up. Mr. Shepard, what's up? So, um, yeah, y'all got to check this one out. This first one out. So we're dealing again with two pieces that look at various types of black male vulnerability. And it's just got to be dealt with. You know, it's got to be dealt with. So let me get the first one. up here uh, and both of these I gotta admit I mean they hurt my heart for different reasons I can't lie about that um, they were rather dramatic in fact but anyway here we go so this being the first you can find this one on fox19.com dated March 31st 2022 entitled Cleveland Brothers say a mother tried to throw her toddler in front of their truck I kid you not. This is this is what it is. So um, here we go. Y'all check this out. Ryan, close call. New video you'll see on just one station. Two brothers say they were driving when a mom nearly threw her toddler in front of their truck. Kelly Kennedy joining us live. And Kelly, you a spoke to the brothers. Interested to hear what they have to say. But first off, is the boy okay? 
Yeah, Tiffany and Chris, and that's the most important thing, right? I'm told that this child was okay. He wasn't hurt. He's now safe with his grandmother. These two brothers tell me they're just grateful they were in the right place at the right time and that they were paying attention. Thank God Thank that it was happy ending instead of a sad ending. You know, ain't no teddy bears right here, no flowers. It's cool. You know, little, little boy with his grandmother. Cleveland brothers Lavelle Penson and Anthony Brown were working on Wednesday in their beer delivery truck. Coming down this way, coming south, and she was in the middle of the street. They were driving down Quincy Avenue near East 55th Street when they saw them. As we driving down, we see like a lady almost like at an angle position herself, like she's about to throw the little boy in front of the truck. So Penson stopped the truck and Brown jumped out. That's when Penson started recording this video. She began to like wrestle with him, choke him, whatever. And I'm like touching him with him. I asked Max to get him away from him, and, you know, talk to him. Hey, it's going to be all right. He's crying. I'm like, listen, bro, you're going to be all right. I got you. Brown says he then took the child to a security guard at Alfred A. Benish School on the corner before police arrived. CMHA police acknowledged the incident happened but they have not sent us any additional information. It's shocking, man. It, it would have messed my life up, you know, if I would have took that little boy life. How grateful are you that you were there, that you were able to intervene and stop this before the kid got hurt? Um, God put me there. I ain't, I ain't did nothing special. I'm just happy that he put me there and I acted on it. I would want somebody to do the same for my daughter or something like that was going on. And these brothers tell me the little boy's grandmother actually reached out to them. She wants to meet with them and thank them. And so does that little boy. They tell me they're just grateful that they were able to help and do the right thing. For now, reporting live in Cleveland, Kelly Kennedy, 19 News. This is, man, that's hard to watch straight up. That is really hard to watch. Um, shout out to Great I-9 and to uh, Unapologetic manhood appreciate that support y'all y'all make sure you like share subscribe join and donate support the channel if you will you can do that on patreon you can do it on youtube uh, paypal venmo y'all see what it is uh hit it up you know support the channel so we can continue to do this work um shout out to queen kalila i see you in there ghetto user what's up kiel you know what's going on people glad y'all could come through rj what's up uh yeah this was a rough one hey b what's happening man out of light, you know. Um, this was rough. This was hard to this was hard to watch. It was hard to fathom. But I'll read the article that comes with it just so we don't miss anything. In Cleveland, two Cleveland brothers said they were driving on Wednesday afternoon when a mom nearly threw her toddler in front of the truck. Um, Pinson and Anthony Brown were working on March 31st. First, they delivered beer to gas stations in Cleveland. We were coming down this way, and they kind of talked about this in the video where they kind of saw what's happening. Um and they said she was angled in a particular way, like she was going to throw her son. I don't know who the boy with the skateboard was. I know one of the brothers was holding the camera. I think the other brother went to go get the little boy. Um, but they say Pinson stopped the truck. Brown jumped out. That's when the Pinson uh, started recording. Uh, she began to like uh, wrestle with him, choke him, whatever. And I'm like tussling with her and I managed to get him away from her. Talk to him like, hey, it's going to be all right. He picked the little boy up. You saw him do that. Um Brown said he then took the child to a security guard at uh, the Banesh school on the corner before police arrived. CMHA police acknowledged the incident happened, but they have not sent us any additional information. 
They said it's shocking. Uh, would have messed up my life if I hit that little boy. That's what he was talking about in the video. Um, the brother said the little boy's grandmother got in touch with them. You know, no information on as to her, you know, what happened to her, you know, um, if she was incarcerated or if she had was sent to a mental facility. They didn't say anything about her motives, what's going on. Um, D-Rock, appreciate that support. Ghetto user, again, appreciate that. Uh, AKs and Curtains, what's up? Thanks for the support. You know, uh, I'm going to tell you, you know, I think with all that's going on right now, and I've been saying this since 2020, people are cracking. People are crack, cracking under the weight of what's happening. And I think there's a very particular um, impact that we're noticing in the Black community on single mothers. I think single mothers are cracking despite uh, the various resources available. Um, I think this idea of being a single parent uh, promoted really since the 70s, um, reaching its, you know, sort of height in the 80s. And it's almost like, you know, a, a ritual in our community at this point that being a single mother is the way to go. I think it's reaching its end point in terms of feasibility. I think uh, especially leading up to 2020, and you guys remember this a few years ago when Trump was in an office and you started to see people getting meal boxes instead of checks. That's when I started to notice. And then it, it reached a crescendo um, during the pandemic, first year of the pandemic, especially. We were, we, you know, and I was reporting on it. You had mothers leaving kids at gas stations, leaving them at firehouses, you know, leaving them at uh, you know, even the other parents' house, no warning. One lady had her friend in the middle of the night drop her child off at the father's home. Didn't even know if he was home, nobody called. They had video camera of it showing the friend dragging this little toddler to the front door, ringing the bell and running off and getting into the car. I mean, we've heard a lot of these stories and I've, I've talked about a lot of them on this show. There's something definitely happening. And I think the pressure of this single parent super mom idea, and we've been seeing more black women writing about this, you know, superwoman construct not working, the strong black woman idea being inhumane, um, you know, but I think that's what we're seeing. I think we're seeing some of the fallout of that child of light so appreciate that support uh he says all praises and glory to the father bless all right much appreciation thank you um that's what it is you know that's what a lot of this is and we keep we have this you know we got to break out of this kind of sensibility this this um almost childlike nursery rhyme idea about gender see contrary to the popular opinion i'm not up here denigrating women that's not my goal what I am trying to say is not only are black men not monsters, that we're human, but black women aren't super magical fairy creatures. They're women, too. They're human. And that's really what this show is the basis of. I am trying to confront these popular ideas that we've internalized that suggest that one gender is monstrous. The other gender is heroic, super and and, and brilliant, and, and they just have to tolerate our existence. And we live a very nursery rhyme idea. What do I mean? This, right. This is what I mean. Oh man, I guess they're all coming in. All right. I apologize. I don't know how they get backed up like this. Weird. I think it's. I think it's a problem with my uh, OBS. God damn. Right, let's see if I can get out of this. All right. Let's see. Maybe that'll help, help change it a little bit. We'll see. Anyway, but this is what we're dealing with, right? 
this is it. This is said to, they're not completely sure. This is said to come from an English poet named Robert Southey, 1774, 1843. It was the time period he lived. They said this rhyme came from the 19th century. What are little boys made of is what it was called. Right? Snip snails and puppy dog tails. That's what little boys are made of. What are little girls made of? Sugar and spice and everything nice. Right? We've been hearing this crap since childhood. And I really think we've actually just brought that into the academy and then spewed it out in all kind of mechanism and all kind of frameworks. It's come out in policy. It's come out in funding. It's come out in organization building. It's come out in social justice. It, I mean, it's all over the place. And whereas you see black women being lifted up at the same time, you see the denigration of black men. They go hand in hand. And so even when you have stories like this, they get swept under the rug. They don't become a feature of black women's behavior. But if this was a story of a father trying to kill his own son, that would become emblematic of black manhood. Emblematic. It would become linked to the very idea of black men. You know what I'm saying? This is what's ridiculous about it. But I'm, I'm shout out to those two brothers. I'm glad they were there to save that little boy. And here's the other thing. Um, black boys are doing, I mean, black men have never stopped protecting and saving. That's what you saw in this video. Again, the downside though, is this does not become emblematic of black men. It becomes a one-on-one -on -one instance. You know, you know, that's what, when you see black men being monstrous, that's our reflection. When you see us being heroic, that's a one-on-one -on -one incident. That's how it's treated. And that's why you can have these feminists that'll stand up and say, I've never seen black men protect anybody. Bullshit. Black men have never stopped protecting. If we were monstrous, them two brothers would have just kept riding. But I will show you, you know, and I talked about this when I did the maltreatment piece a few weeks ago. We looked at the statistics around uh, the black family and we looked at it in terms of child abuse and child fatalities and black men as fathers and ch child care providers are not killing our kids. What's up, Kenneth? Appreciate that support. Shout out to Micah. What's going on, man? Appreciate that. Uh, it's good to be named in the uh, list of brothers I respect. Dr. Curry, Dr. Neal, GG, BGS. Absolutely. Appreciate that. All right. So here's the here's the thing. Right. I think um, now hopefully we'll see if my OBS is going to act any better. If not, I'll switch it out again. Well, this needs to be bigger anyway. This is uh, something that you could find from uh, Dr. Stacy um, Patton on uh, Twitter. She posted this the other day. She was looking at the micro data for the U.S., D.C., and Puerto Rico, 2015 to 2020, in terms of child abuse fatalities and perpetrators by gender among African-Americans. And so if we look at each column, left to right, right, you can see the year, far left, uh, total black child fatalities for each year, right? And this is, this is actually just a little bit under white numbers, but keep in mind, we're only 13% of society. So if we're 13% and our numbers of child fatalities are not far behind. I mean, it's, you're talking about less than 100 kids per year. That should tell you how often this is happening in the black community. Uh, black male victims, 1,812. Black female victims, 1,334. Black male perpetrators, 1,692. Black female perpetrators, 2,106. Now notice something. Not only are the female perpetrators committing the most child abuse fatalities, the 
kids that they're committing the most child abuse fatalities on are black males. That's the that's the the takeaway here. 500 more black males are killed by about 500 more black female perpetrators than male. Right? You can see this comes from the National Data Archive on Child Abuse and Neglect. Right? Go check that out yourself if you're so inclined. This is the kind of stuff we got to talk about. And again, it, the point of it is not just to say, "Ooh, look at black women, they're horrible. The point of it is to say, we're human. Stop this bullshit about accusing men of being walking monsters. That's not what's going on. A lot of these issues are environmentally informed, environmentally uh, shaped, influenced. They are. And at the end of the day, women have always killed kids more. Why? Because they're, they're the child providers. They're the child care providers to a greater extent. Whether you're talking about official child care providers or whether you're talking about parents, they're the ones around the kids. It, it seems when you look at the child mal maltreatment data, what tends to happen is the most vulnerable tend to be the ones that get violated, abused, and killed to the greatest degree. Meaning that when you look at the numbers, the younger the child, the more of them that die. Most particularly when you're talking about under one year old. Wherever people people have power over another group, the, mo the more power they have, the more they tend to abuse it. This is what the child maltreatment data report kind of revealed. Younger the kids, the more violated they were, including fatalities. Right? That's one of the dynamics that we have to keep in. We have to keep our understanding of. And the biggest form of of, of abuse was neglect. So contrary to watching Good Times and remember Janet Jackson getting beat and having an iron put on her by her mother, the biggest form of abuse coming from or coming to children who are being abused is neglect. And a lot of that can be impacted by poverty. But the point is, at least the point I'm making, this idea of casting black men as monsters that don't care, that don't care about family. And mind you, I heard this shit in graduate school at Temple University in African-American studies. Black woman professor, former wife of the chair of the department at that time, Malefi Asante, his wife was teaching. She said, in the class I was sitting in, mind you, I was the only man in the class, black men don't care about family. And I remember just being frozen, 21 years old. I didn't, I was just being introduced to graduate school, trying to figure out what it was and how to flow in it. And this is what I'm hearing from senior scholars, black women, that black men don't care about family. Quote. And I've seen brothers like these two in Cleveland every day of my life. And they don't get any recognition. Now, I'm going to jump to the next one. Next article is different, different and difficult for a whole nother set of reasons. Um, and like I said, uh, this one got to me too. Okay, this won't. I'm trying to clear these advertisements. Anyway, it's not going to work. But y'all check this out. So... This one you can find on Atlanta Black Star came out today entitled Kansas woman rebuffed advances from a detective known for exploiting black women. Then her son was framed for double murder. Now they're both suing Kansas City for 93 million a man who spent 23 years in prison for a Kansas double murder is seeking 93 million in damages from the city and county 
and the former Kansas City detective who framed him. Lamont McIntyre's attorney said the police in Kansas City, Kansas, allowed the detective to use his power to sexually exploit black women. McIntyre's mother was one of his victims. When Rose McIntyre reportedly rejected former detective Roger Golubsky's advances, he pinned two murders on her 17-year-old son. Or similarly, if you're on Discord, you know. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. Pinned two murders on her 17-year-old son, right? McIntyre lost two decades of his life, and he and his mother have suffered through years of mental turmoil because of Golubsky, their attorney, their attorney said. Rose McIntyre is seeking $30 million in damages. That's him right there. Uh, Lamont McIntyre exonerated in 2017 after spending 23 years for two murders. He now wants to be compensated 96 million in damages. Golubsky used his badge to protect the guilty, frame the innocent, and serve his personal agenda, whether it was carrying out a vendetta or protecting the drug dealers who paid him, the attorney said. The lawsuit was filed in 2018, but it was stalled in court while Lamont waited uh, to be declared innocent federal judge on March 17th scheduled a jury trial for November 7th. Hold on. Shout out to Joe Herb. Appreciate that support. Uh, as well as, I think, uh, I didn't think Kenneth. Uh, appreciate that, man. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, Rose first crossed paths with Golubsky in the 1980s when he pulled over her then-boyfriend. The detectives, the detective is accused of coercing Rose to his office, where he forced her to perform oral sex on him or else he would arrest her boyfriend. It was not just the son, right? The boyfriend was under threat of being arrested uh, simply because uh, this this white cop wanted this uh, black woman. The attorney said Golubsky wanted to continue the sexual abuse long term. So Rose moved and changed her number to escape the detective's advances. That's him right there. Right, Golubsky. All right. Lamont was found guilty of the double murders based on eyewitness testimony alone. It was revealed later that the eyewitnesses were forced to finger Lamont for the crime. Lubsky and the prosecutor threatened to arrest one of the eyewitnesses and take her daughter away if she did not testify. The witness later wrote in an affidavit that she lied on the stand. Another witness said she was afraid of Golubsky after he made sexual advances on her. Um, Attorney said the McIntyres filed countless appeals, motions, and petitions during the course of Lamont's incarceration, maintaining his innocence. In 2017, Lamont was freed after a judge granted him a new trial and a prosecutor cleared his convictions and dropped all charges. Let me make sure I didn't skip anything. Uh, okay. The state uh, settled a wrongful conviction lawsuit for about $1.5 million in 2020, which paved the way for the 2018 lawsuit by awarding Lamont a certificate of innocence. Lubsky had a reputation for having sex with black prostitutes and drug addicts, which the McIntyre's attorney said was common knowledge in the police department. The court documents include multiple occasions when other officers caught Lubsky in the act with women. He also allegedly fathered children with some of the women. Uh, the pretrial order include signatures from 73 women. Lubsky retired in 2010. Right. According to reports, federal government has launched an investigation into Golubsky's uh, conduct. He was denied, he denied the claims and his attorneys are demanding that the allegations be excluded from the case. They reportedly plan to defend his reputation in court. Robert Golubsky will, uh, uh, Roger Golubsky will contend that he was a good cop and detective that he cared about the community he served, particularly the African-American community, and that he sought to hold dirty cops accountable, his attorney said in a statement. 
Lamont McIntyre is seeking $72 million for wrongful incarceration. He wants to be compensated $1.6 million for the career opportunities he lost and $20 million in punitive damages. His attorney said he suffers from post-traumatic stress, emotional stress, and severe physiological damage because of the defendant's actions. They said Lamont lost family relationships, property, education, and athletic opportunities, and many personal freedoms because he was incarcerated. The unified government of Wyandotte, I know I mispronounced that, county in Kansas City denied that the police chief knew about Golubsky's misconduct or the other officers who corroborated with him. It denied there was any responsibility in the case. They argued that Golubsky's accusers were inconsistent and that more than a dozen officers and detective, detectives were involved in investigating the 94 murders. Um, no policymaker for the unified government had knowledge or noticed that Golubsky encouraged and or used coerced and unreliable witnesses, witness statements from vulnerable witnesses through the threat of arrest, physical violence, uh, sexual domination, payment in drugs or money or other consequences. The unified government stated in uh, the pretrial order. Yeah. So that's him. All right. What's up, BGS? Appreciate that support. Uh, Nicozy, appreciate that. Thanks for the support. Patrick, appreciate that. Yeah. But this is what it is, right? This is what it is. So in this situation, when I talk about black boy vulnerability, there were actually two black males impacted through this man who was violating women, right? And he was using his position, right, to dominate them. Primarily for sex, it seems, even to the point where he got a few of them pregnant. But I find it interesting, right? This this takes me back to Sedanius, you know, James Sedanius's work, which I've talked about quite a bit on my channel, who highlighted that when you're dealing with two groups, one oppressing the other, it tends to be male on male. Now, that's not to say women don't experience discrimination. Obviously, in this regard, we're talking about sexual violation. There's no question about that. But who served 23 years in prison? That's what I find interesting. And this isn't to diminish the experiences of others. It's to highlight the degree to which males are vulnerable, most particularly in these situations, boys. A 17-year-old boy is one year older than my son. He spent over 20 years in jail because this guy wanted to have sex with his mother. That's where we are, people. And if this is happening, how many of these other, how many other circumstances similar to this have occurred? How many brothers are sitting somewhere locked up behind these kind of tactics? But when you talk about black males and criminality, the response is always, well, they deserve it. They commit more crimes. No. They're convicted of more crimes, but there's a lot that's not being discussed. Straight up. Outgroup males, exactly, Indigo. Yeah. Appreciate that, uh, Kalila. Yeah, like, share, subscribe, join, and donate if you would. Support the channel. Um, pension should be revoked, sent to Supermax in Colorado, Minister Society. I agree, Mark. We're going to see what actually happens. Because again, my last conversation about empathy for Black males has a direct impact on whether or not certain people are charged for crimes, uh, what kind of sentences they get, so on and so forth. We do not, as a society, know how to empathize for black males. And what I'm highlighting today is we especially don't know how to do it even for boys. 
even for boys. Now, obviously, these are just two individual circumstances, but I am suggesting that it's larger than that. I am. And I am glad that, um, you know, there were some brothers that were willing to stand up in the first situation and that this cat is being called out and caught and hopefully we'll do some time. But y'all know how it is with cops. We're going to see. We've not been surprised in the past at how at their capacity to walk away, get a couple of weeks off with a paid uh, suspension, then end up working at another police department and their names don't show up in the paper anymore. You know, so none of that mess surprises me at this point, but it is what it is. But I really wanted to just highlight the need to point out black boy vulnerability because it needs to be talked about because not only are you getting it from society, not only are you getting it from the, you know, from the police, especially in this last two years, you got to even look at your family. And when mothers are throwing kids in front of cars and y'all know, I've covered a number of stories where mothers and aunts are locking kids up in the trunk and they're finding their bodies mummified. This shit is real. It's real. And it is making the paper, but it's buried. It's not really given any national exposure. It's not picked up and talked about in social media to any great extent, unless it's a black male. That's when you see it kind of take off in the news. I agree, Donnie. Winter is here. Absolutely. Freddie says it's happening everywhere that non-black men are sexually exploiting black women. Yeah. That is true. We're seeing a lot more of those cases, but you hear them discuss for a brief minute, then they're gone. The Sigma, the Sigma, I appreciate that support. Thank you. You know, so as usual, I'm anxious to hear you guys' thoughts in the comment section. You know what I mean? I want to know. You tell me, am I making this up? Are you seeing this where you are? And if you have stories that you want to share, please put the link in the comments so we can explore it because I'm seeing a lot of these kind of cases. And at some point, we need to be able to advocate for these boys. We really do. Because it could be any of our kids. And if you're young enough listening to this program, it could be you and you need support. And it's questionable as to who will be there because the hatred for black men, what we call anti-black misandry in black male studies, it's so frequent and common. It's almost like oxygen at this point. It just functions. People take it for granted, ignore it. But it is the means by which society moves forward. Because the last person anyone anyone wants to be is a black male. That's it. So y'all have a good one. Hope you enjoy your weekend. I will be back Monday. Y'all keep it light. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man-children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.